Welcome to Stateside F1. I'm Joe Leonardo. That man making the sound of, I'm going to say, Red Bull already running away with the championship is Andrew Berger. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Great race. And we're talking the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix Jeddah. I mean, I think all the craziness happened after the race. It was a very (laughs) exciting race, but the real drama was third place, George Russell, Fernando Alonso, the confusion that the FIA caused by not issuing a penalty, waiting over 30 laps. I think it was 31 laps since the incident at the pits with Fernando Alonso. It was it was a soft call too. It was just like it was like the Eagles losing the Super Bowl right there too cuz the jack was touching the car like what that's a technicality dude. This is the thing that I learned from this whole experience. Formula 1 uh has VAR. Did anybody know this? <laughs> What, what is, is VAR? VAR? Oh, a uh, uh, video assist review. It's a thing they have oh, yeah. in soccer. It's basically video replay. I did not realize that uh, F- F1 had that same thing called ROC. Did you think there were just a bunch of stewards kind of at every pit watching? No, and- no. I mean, I knew that there were, stu- there were you know, uh, uh, people who were... Uh, refereeing for lack of a better term uh the race uh on site but there's also video review off site <laughs> that is the whole reason yeah. why they did this instead of why it was took us took them 30 laps to uh give out the penalty is because the re- the video review system made them look at it again made the on site uh race stewards look at the penalty again after they had decided that it wasn't a penalty. And so they went back and looked at it again because replay told them to. And in look at it, looking at it again, they decided it was a penalty. That's so interesting because in 2020, they basically went fully remote with all their cameras and everything. So I figured they would be better at reviewing things offsite. But apparently it still takes 30 plus laps to come up with a call well it's only because somebody was complaining towards the end of the race that the you know remote operations center cough cough total wolf cough cough <laughs> no it wasn't this is not right michael <laughs> uh but just because somebody was complaining was the only reason they uh that the review center even looked it makes the fia look so bad and mm. things look already corrupt this just adds to it What's that meme? It's like mafia M M A F I A. I think it's like means like Mercedes F I A or something. That's so funny. I want to be part of the M F I A F I A. Oh my god! You, you want to be in the mob? I, I already am. You want to end up with cement shoes at the bottom of uh, uh, of the East River? Speaking of people who look like they're in the mafia, did you guys see the thing <laughs> with uh, Max's dad? <laughs> yeah, Max's that's, that's my transition, by the way. No, please elaborate, because I did not see this. So after the race, Max goes and hugs the engineers and everybody on the line and, and the pit crew and everything, and everybody's celebrating, and Max obviously got second place, and he's celebrating and super excited, and his dad is standing right next to the whole pit crowd, 
and he just doesn't look happy at all or he's not <laughs> celebrating. It's amazing. While his son is super happy, he came back from what? He was P13? Oh, 15. Yeah. He qualified P15? 15. Yeah, even yeah. That's right cuz he had an issue in Q2. Uh all the funny things you hear about like sometimes Max slips and tells the story of his father and they're just all insane. This one time he was talking to Daniel Ricardo. They were doing some video for Red Bull and he was like Daniel Ricardo mimed stabbing Max in the arm with a pencil or something. And Max <laughs> was like, actually, my dad did that with a fork to a race engineer. Oh, wow. And, and, and Ricardo's face was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, that was strange. But you could tell he was trying to still keep a poker face a little bit. Like, what? What? What is going on? <laughs> like, as wow. a point of pride. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yas Verstappen's got some issues, man. He he, it's like documented too. He's a wife beater. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, he also did burst into flames when they were still refueling. He's the reason why they don't refuel anymore. Oh man, he like made F one a little bit more boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, they still burst in the flames. It's just it's just on track often. now. Yeah. And it's called Ferrari. <laughs> it's called the Ferrari strategy. Oh my God. Poor Leclerc, dude. He like, his race engineer is terrible. He made bad calls. I don't know if he's terrible, but it was, it was another like instance of, I don't know, Charles, what do you think we should do? But even still, they were slow. Like, yeah. they were slower than Mercedes and, you know, with all the talk going into the season after, you know, the initial round of tests, uh, Mercedes was super, super slow. And like they were the back of the sort of front that that four team front. And yeah, it, it seems now, I mean, after some races, maybe it might be Ferrari. I mean, how could Leclerc not get by? signs at the very least if he couldn't catch you know hamilton but he couldn't even get yeah. around his own teammate i mean there's something there's something there may be something deeper wrong at ferrari somehow i mean i would hate for that to be the case because if that's the case then like this season is going to be deathly dull on a certain level Unless unless Aston Martin could just keep pulling it out of their butts. I, I think they will. I think uh, Aston Martin's going to continue to do well. Uh, Lawrence Stroll's basically buying up all the best engineers, buying up great strategists. He flat out said, I think we're contenders for the uh, championship. Uh, obviously, he's mm. selling his team by saying something like that. Yeah. Um, but you, let's go back to Leclerc for a second. He wasn't that bad. He had a huge penalty. Like, yes, there was issues with the car that required that. So I, I completely understand what you're saying, Daryl. Like, this is the, what, second? This is the second race. Yeah. And they're already doing huge changes to the car. That's requiring, uh, what was it, 10-place 10, 10 grid penalty? Yeah. Right? If I remember. Yeah. Yeah, 10. That's insane. That said, in the race, he looked yeah. good. But... Yeah, their their strategies all over the place. He yelled at the the person on the radio, being like, "You're giving me info too late. What's going on?" Um, it looks like they don't have their their crap together yet. I feel like um, 
Mateo and Daniel Ricardo are just sitting back eating popcorn, watching everything that's happening <laughs> this season. See, this becomes my question. Are there other teams <laughs> this screwed up with their strategy and we're just not aware of it because they're not Ferrari or Mercedes or Red Bull? You know what I mean? Like, I, I would have imagined based on performance that Williams was like this messed up uh, strategy wise uh, when you consider their performance. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. Williams is looking mm. good. Um, I wonder if it's because it's different strategies for different places in the grid. Like they're not supposed to be in the midfield. Right. So their strategies are like, how do we win the race? How do we get a podium? Right. Where a team like Williams is like, okay, how do we get points? Right. And, and right. they're going to approach the race a lot differently. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Joe Leonardo here. And this is Andrew Berger. Along with being the hosts of Stateside F1, Andrew and I are audio engineers with thousands of hours of podcast experience. Between the both of us, we've worked with a wide variety of companies from Google to Discovery as editors, mixers, sound designers, and even social media managers. If it's a companion podcast for a TV show or just a hobby among friends, we can help you with your podcast. Feel free to reach out to us at statesidef1 at gmail.com. Please correct me if I'm wrong here, but just watching that race, the first two races, like it's almost as if I'm playing F1 myself and I'm just driving away from the field. Like it was like, it literally looks like a video game. The, it's the, like you're you're Max Verstappen and you set every opponent to Latifi. Well, yeah, I and 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 it's almost as if like I mean, being perfectly honest, <laughs> if I'm playing F1 and I'm, you know, doing uh 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 qualifying and beating the field by a second and then I'm getting into the race and I'm like 12 seconds faster than everybody, like that nobody has any amount of a chance and i could be 15th and drive all the way up to second with little to no problem with like what uh more than half the race to go and the only reason i don't win is because my teammate who's in the same car as me is in the same car as me oh dude like i'd be turning up the difficulty trying to make it more difficult because this is just straight up stupid unfair yeah it's boring yeah there was um there was a comment made during the race that i think it was when hamilton was passed by max uh max turned on his drs and just easily passed hamilton and i forget who said it but someone said this is like watching an f1 car overtake an f2 car yeah and like no respect no, no disrespect to mercedes but this is it's a completely different piece of machinery yeah. Like how is the Red Bull wow. able to extract that much speed from their DRS? Like their DRS is unmatched. This is the thing. <laughs> if they're if Red Bull is going to be this dominant, then you know, there was all of this talk at the beginning of the season about uh Danny Rick, he's sitting lurking 
waiting for Perez to just mess up and then there he's just going to spring. That the Red Bull car is so dominant that Perez can't screw this up. Here's the thing. Last year, last year it was a uh, 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 Verstappen won 15 races. How many of those wow. races did they finish one two? I know the number, and I'll tell you, it was four. Out of 15 races, only four times did they finish one two. Max Verstappen had the largest margin of victory, or second largest margin of victory in the driver's standings of any year. And yet, you can't say that if he has that large of a victory that it's just simply because he's a good driver. You have to have a good car also. And yet, they went the entirety with only four top two finishes. This year, the first two races, they have two. And if this car with is as superior as it seems, they're going to have so many one-two finishes that there's not going to be any room. There's not going to be any space for them to get rid of Checo. Oh, I, I cannot stand the oh, delusion gosh. of there's so there's some other podcasts. I'm not going to name names. I'm not trying to start beef. <laughs> but there's there's other yeah, you F1 are. podcasts that are like nice. They're, they're professionally produced. They look awesome, but their takes are insane. Like one person said, well, you know, if Checo doesn't perform Daniel Ricardo, I can see Daniel Ricardo stepping up and they, they basically create all this drama. And it's like you creating a scenario that is so it's trigger insane. words. Insane. It's like it's it's trigger words, man. And it's like you're you're saying something that's so insane. Like there's no way that Checo is going to do such a bad job that they'll have Danny Rick step in, someone who basically did horrible last year. You know that is basically their their PR guy right now. It's yeah. I see one two Red Bull. I see this drivers championship being locked early. That's definitely going to happen with Max. And if anything, if there's going to be drama, I can see drama between maybe Checo and and Max for uh, the drivers championship. But I, I don't even I don't even see that. I see because Max is just a superior driver. Uh, and I'm not like a big Max Verstappen fan or anything. I'm just, you know, someone who objectively looks at the world and is able to you you see, see what, what is, is true. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like it's it's so obvious that someone as ignorant as I can easily see <laughs> that Verstappen is demonstrably better driver than Checa. Yeah. And this is not even looking at the numbers. If you start looking at the numbers, that will like uh, like make it uh, like crystal clear how much better of a driver uh, Verstappen is than Checo. Checo will tell you that Verstappen is a better driver than he is. And this is with saying that Checo is a phenomenal driver. Yeah. Checo is one of the best right now, like well, it, it, hands down. So it just shows you how great Max is, that Checo is amazing and Max is just otherworldly. Right. But I tell you this, any other driver, any other driver on the grid, you put them in that Red Bull car, they do the exact same thing Checo has done these first two races, if not Imagine better. Lando Norris in that car. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. He, there would be a fight for the championship this year if that were the case, and it would be between the two Red Bull drivers. 
if that were the case. But I don't think there's going to be a fight for the championship this year. I just don't. I think that there is it's there's that much difference between those two. Wow. Um, the I brought up Lando. I just want to bring up this little fun fact here. This race was Lando's second Q1 elimination of his entire F1 career. Oh, wow. How long has he been racing? Four years? Yeah, that's how consistent Lando is. But wow. I mean, it's only the second time he got eliminated in Q1. Like you, everybody's really like concerned about what Mercedes is going to do and, and how far back Mercedes is from Red Bull. What is going on at McLaren? What are they going to do? Like they had Oscar Piastri who qualified eighth. He had a small issue with a, a crash where he, he, he broke his car a little bit, had to bring him in for a pit stop, change his wing. And somehow or another, he can't climb up through the field. He stayed where he was. He practically stayed in the exact same position he was in once he came back onto the track after the wing change. Granted, for, uh, his first Formula One season. Second race, first Formula One season. Uh, but Norris was right behind him, or at least right in front of him until the team <laughs> told him to let uh, Piastri through. Yeah, Oscar did better, had better pace than in Lando. Yeah, and yet still, where were they in yeah. the field? They were still at the bottom. I mean, that they were car, fighting each other. Yeah, but that car last year, I mean, everybody seems to at least in some way, form, or fashion, taken steps forward. I mean, say what you will about Mercedes, but they've still taken steps forward. Their porpoising issues are completely over, and they've they've pretty much finishing in the same position that they finished in last year. They were the second. They were the third best team. McLaren has gone backwards. What did they Extremely. do, or what did they fail to do? in the off season that has pushed them so far to the back of the field. They were fighting to be the uh, fourth best team last year. And now they're probably going to be the, the ninth or 10th. A lot of bad design, uh, design decisions last minute. Um, and now they have to wait for a new wind tunnel to come up. It's yeah. like, it's really interesting. I was, I was giddy with excitement when considering, you know, the, the new formula, the new package that was coming in and also taking in consideration, the spending cap, I was assuming that with those two things, we were going to see some really, really, really tight competition throughout the field. And yet two years into this, it's, the same old, same old, but this time it's just one team that's dominating. And I'm like, Red Bull has a significant lead because it seems like Red Bull took the most efficient path uh, to uh, a speedy car. And now it seems everybody's starting to coalesce behind Red Bull. And with the spending limits, you can't spend to catch up with Red Bull. You can only spend as much money as Red Bull is spending. Yet Red Bull has the advantage. How do these teams close the gap uh, with Red Bull in the age of the spending cap? They don't. They have to. It's they have to focus on what they can do in the season, and then 
readdress things for the next season. You know what Daryl, based on what Daryl just said, I'm curious um, if Red Bull's overspending was calculated. It's calculated based on we need, we're happy to overspend and get the car and take the penalty the next year because this will be the next uh, era of Formula One until 2025. That's a conspiracy. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it's not that much of a conspiracy. I mean, as it much is, it's there was it's wicked, uh, but it's w- logical. They showed the Red Bulls cutting the corner on the chicane purposefully multiple times. Yeah, and in the race, the, the commentators pointed out that they were doing it on purpose, gaming the system, knowing that they could do it like three times without penalty. And they gained that time advantage by doing it. You're not going to take away that time advantage. Third time, you get the black and white flag, and then fourth time, you get the penalty. so. So they purposefully cut that corner three times, knowing that it was wrong, but also knowing that if they cut that corner, they're also shaving off that time. And if they're willing to do that on the track, I mean, what was it, $400,000? So, but I mean, $400,000, that's, that's, that's nothing when you consider yeah. what could be gained by spending that extra $400,000. I, I wouldn't in a, for a second put it past them that they purposefully overspent in order to get the car where they needed it to be. Yeah knowing that it was essential. It was posted in the news that Haas Automation uh, was still selling its products and its machines to Russia. So I made a post about that. And someone commented, Gene Haas and Haas Automation should be held accountable for selling to the Russians. Ukrainian blood is is on Gene Haas and also the Haas automation racing teams if sales continue, even if not. Haas. They still have blood on their hands. Stop selling to the Russians. For starters, throw them out of NASCAR and F1. Wake up, Gene Haas. Don't be an a-hole. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if that was someone at Williams that wrote that. It could have. It could be a Williams sympathizer. I'm not going to say who posted it, but it's on our. Um, you know, you could see it on our social media, on our Instagram. I mean, there's like, I heard no lies. I just, I, I have questions about the timing of the sell. I mean, I'm coming from, I'm coming at this from a place of ignorance. I mean, I know that they sold uh, the gear to the Russians. But I also know that they were also at one particular point in time uh, <clears throat> subsidized, shall we say, um, by Russian money. <laughs> yeah, they had the and that then yeah. Ukraine happened and they had to drop the sponsorship. Right. But they made it they made it. I'm not too I'm not 100 percent up on geopolitical uh agreements between Gene Haas and Vladimir Putin. But I think he, uh, Gene made it seem like he cut all ties with Russia and, and selling equipment, uh, to be used in the military. And apparently, uh, PBS reported that that's not the case. 
Gene Haas is just a less flamboyant Lawrence Stroll. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Stateside F1. And thank you to Daryl Lathan, actor, director, writer, everything entertainer extraordinaire. Please like, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your sweet, sweet podcast content. Follow us on Instagram at Stateside F1 and TikTok at Stateside F1 Podcast. Feel free to DM us, message us, comments, questions, suggestions, etc. We will respond and follow you back. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.